Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, the community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. 3PGC community we have in the house today. Not just a beautiful human being, but an author, a coach, a colleague, a friend, Sarah Costin. How you doing? I'm really well. Now, everybody who listens regularly would have heard a shout out to a Sarah on last week. And just to tie the loop or to bring things together, you are that fan that I was highlighting. So thank you for being a fan of the show. I really am. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> I listen to every episode and you just bring such joy to what you do and to every person that you interview. Uh, there's just so much love there. You have a way of shining the light on people that just make them shine even brighter. And I think it's really beautiful. And I love listening to this show. So mm. I'm really excited to be on it. Thank you so much. You heard it here first. Sarah said this is the podcast to listen to. Uh, but I, I think my job is actually pretty easy, honestly, because the beauty is in all the amazing people who come on the show, i.e. yourself. I mean, you are the new author of You Are the Blue Sky. We were just sitting in Super Coach not too long ago, and now you got a book on Amazon. What does that feel like? Yeah, it feels great. It feels, um, you know, it feels a lot subtler than I thought it would feel or than, than you think like having a book would feel. Yeah. It, it just feels really nice. It feels like I, I did a thing and I put, I put a thing in the world that really um, I'm proud of it because it feels um, very much my own and it feels very me. And I couldn't write a different book and someone else couldn't have written this book. It's just, um, and that feels really nice to have completed the process from beginning to end and seen all the ups and downs along the way and know that underneath all of it, uh, every step of the process was exactly right. Mm. It was exactly what was needed. And so, yeah, it's just been, it's been a really fun, interesting, very, huge learning experience for me. It's so many things I'm thinking about in my head right now. I would love to talk about. I mean, like I, I said, so many different stories about you, I know. But before I even get into them, what would you say? Like if somebody asked Sarah, who was Sarah, what would you say? Hmm. I always struggled with this question, really, because um, it depends on when you catch me. <laughs> mm, I like that. I feel like... My, Growing up, I, I really did struggle with that. I didn't know who Sarah was. And, and now I've come to embrace that Sarah is so many things. Sarah, Sarah is the infinite universe, you know, of all of life. Yeah. And Sarah is all of the fields. But I mean, you know, if we put it into concrete things, I, well, I'm a writer. I'm a coach. I, I love people. I really love humanity. And I, and I love nature. And those two things to me are 
intricately linked. I think we are nature. Humans are nature. We're not separate from nature. And um, being with other people and being in nature are two of my absolute most favorite things to, to be doing because it feels like I'm really connected to something, um, something meaningful, something um, deeper than just Sarah by myself. Yeah, that's so cool. One of the first stories I remember of you was, I think we were in day one and day two and we were on break. And all of a sudden you were like, I want to ride this scooter. <laughs> and everybody was like, what? Like, you was like, I want to ride this scooter. And so I think we held your bag and everything and you got on the scooter and you were gone. And then the next time we saw you, you had like three people following you on the scooters. And then it was like this thing where you were teaching people how to ride scooters. But then it was like, wait, she just literally turned a passion of riding scooters into a, a low-key business in like <laughs> three days. Like, is that pretty much how it works for you? You fall in love with some and next thing you know, you're off to doing it. You know, that's that's a great question. I do. I think that's how it works when it's working well for me. And um, yes, I called myself the scooter tutor. <laughs> by the end of the week I had a business name and everything um and actually that really taught me something about building a coaching business and building a business that whole the scootering process really go tell me that I want to hear that tell me that well because at the time of super coach I was really I was taking my coaching business really seriously like I was really trying to figure it out and like be really structured and organized about it all and I was basically sapping the fun out of it, even though I loved coaching, but uh, kind of in the business thing and I was sapping the fun out of it. And it just, it felt stuck and it felt stagnant and it wasn't moving. And then I come to super coach and I'm just like, I'm just kind of lit up by this idea of like learning how to scooter. Cause I've never done it before. And it just seems really fun. <laughs> so I just go try it myself and I'm having a blast scootering all around Santa Monica. All around. We was watching you just zoom, zoom, up the street, <laughs> down the street. Oh, it was yeah. so funny. <laughs> and then it was just such a natural feeling. And then I just wanted to share it. And I was like, well, it was so fun. And let me teach you. And then, yes, people just kept kind of coming to me into the breaks. Be like, I want to learn to scooter. And and you're right. Like, by the end, I kind of, I mean, I didn't charge for it. But, like, I could have. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just so cool to see. Yeah. But what I saw from that was like, oh, that's how it works. If I just have fun with my coaching business because coaching is fun. Like, can I make my coaching business just like the scooter tutor, like just have fun with it, just fill up with the joy. And then people will come naturally because that's how it works. When we're lit up, people are attracted to that. And then especially if you're lit up by something that will help them like scootering or coaching or whatever it is, then that's even more beneficial. And it just, it's so easy. It makes it so simple. Yeah. So what does the coaching practice look like now then? Having that experience, having authored the book, you know, taking in all of that you've learned, what does it look like now? Yeah, I just keep trying to come back to keeping it light. And as soon as I feel myself being in resistance or being in worry or being in tightness, I just use that as an alarm bell to come back to keeping it light, keeping it fun and coming back to to knowing that um if this is what I'm to be doing, that I'll be doing it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. So Sarah, 
I love how you talk about being able to see things and, and looking at a process and then turning it into something and using it in your business. There's this story I heard you tell once, and it was probably the most, one of the most beautiful expressions that I'd ever seen someone talk about an ailment, a disability, a disease, or, or whatever the term is that we use to describe it. Um, and that was when I heard you on a call talk about tinnitus, the, the ringing in the ear. Um, you said it was in the book. Could you just talk about this story for a minute? I just think it's one that viewers, not viewers, but listeners would love to hear about. Yeah, I'll just turn it over to you for that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's called, the chapter in the book is called Relieved for a Disease. It's kind of towards the end of the book. Um, but this is my true experience of, of having t- tinnitus, having um, ringing in my ears. And so it started about five or six years ago now. I... I'll try to keep it short, but basically I had a weekend where I woke up with severe vertigo. And I don't know if you know about vertigo, but vertigo is, it's, it's really intense. And yeah. I woke up, but the entire world was, was spinning and I couldn't, I couldn't like turn my head without vomiting. Um, I couldn't get out of bed for like three or four days. Um, I needed like constant care. Like I really couldn't take care of myself. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. And when that happened, I developed this ringing in my ears and the vertigo went away, but the ringing stayed there. Mm. And I, this was at a time in my life where I was really into yoga and really into meditating. And I had a meditation practice where I would sit every morning and I would meditate. And this ringing in my ear was driving me mad. I was like, I, I knew I was like supposed to be Zen about it, but like, it just like pissed me off. I was like, ah, so annoying. And um, I really was wanted to fix it. I like Googled every alternative remedy under the sun. I, I went to an audiologist and he told me that I have lifelong incurable tinnitus and that it will never go away. So, you know, of course I did start to get used to it and then kind of time went by and it's always kind of there. And I started to get vertigo again. The vertigo was completely incapacitating. Like it would come out of nowhere. I would have no warning about the vertigo. I'd be like feeling great. I'd even be like going out with friends like the night before. And then the next morning, bam, I would wake up and the world was turned upside down again. And I would like be incapacitated for four or five days. So anyway, fast forward to a couple of years later, I was really trying to get to the bottom of what was going on with my vertigo. And I went to the hospital and uh, saw a specialist and I told him my story. And within five minutes, he was like, oh, you have Meniere's disease. And I was like, I do. <laughs> I was like, so <laughs> like something. Yes. Just call it. Give me something. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, and that's why the chapter is called relieved for disease. Cause like, I like, no joke, like skipped out of the hospital. I was like, I have my nearest disease. (laughs) (laughs) Just call it something, right? You just want an identification of it. Totally. It's so validating to know sometimes. So what I learned then is that uh, Meniere's disease is basically fluid builds up in my body and fluid especially builds up in my inner ear. This is for Mm. anyone with Meniere's disease. So the fluid builds up in your ear And then so much fluid builds up that it um, shifts your vestibular system. It makes it wonky. And then you get the vertigo. And that's why 
all the other things happen. And so it's all about um, reducing the volume of fluid in your body. Ah, yes, so, that's what I remember. That's yes, what I remember. So I, yes. I had to learn to adjust my diet. So like, so, and I call it the no fun diet because it's like anything that's fun triggers it. Alcohol, tobacco, salt, sugar, <laughs> caffeine. Really? <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so that's the no fun diet. I was really strict for a while, but, um, but now I kind of let myself loose, but because now I know the signals. So this is what I learned. And this is probably what you heard me share before was that my tinnitus was on my side. I had no idea, but when my ears would ring, it was actually a signal that the fluid was starting to build up in my body because for whatever reason, the fluid would build up and then it would cause the ears to start to ring. So the louder the ringing would become, the more fluid, it was a signal that the fluid was building up and then it could let me know like, oh, I should be stricter about my diet, you know? And so that that was linked to the vertigo. So if I could start to listen to the tinnitus as an alarm bell in a good way, yeah. that, oh, the tinnitus is helping me to know that a vertigo attack might be imminent, then it's actually helping me. And so that was huge because it shifted the way I felt about my tinnitus. And of course, I saw the perfect metaphor for how this fits in with the three principles. Of course, it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> because it was at the same time that I got this diagnosis that I was really deepening my awareness of the principles. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's just like our feelings. Yeah. Our feelings aren't bad, just like the tinnitus wasn't bad. Our feelings are always helping us. And when the alarm bells go up of my anger, or my frustration or my worry, it's just a sign to slow down. Oh yeah, I love that so much because I say it, I, I've used it on a, a couple of trainings and teachings, but how I look at emotions now are kind of like flares in the military. So when we were in uh, practicing battleground defense or, or war defense or whatever the case may be, when we shoot a flare up in the sky, there is a signal we scream out first. It's like flare, and you hear it, right? Well, the reason for that is not so everybody will look up at the flare. It's because the flare is going to go up, it's going to explode, and it's going to light up the battlefield. The reason we're doing that is so everybody knows now to pay attention because what we're looking to see is where the enemy is on the battlefield because mm -hmm. the flare only lights up for a few seconds. So if you are looking up at the flare, you'll miss the enemy. But if you know the light is coming for only for a few seconds, pay attention, then you'll see and you know how to respond. So that's kind of like how I start looking at my emotions as being the fire alarm, so to speak, of my life. Like I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Well, I don't run and look at the anger, the sadness or the frustration. I pay attention to what's happening in my life. And if I pay attention to what's happening in my life, then my emotions are pretty much just triggered for me to slow down, pay attention, you know, just like the, the fluid level was, I can yep. alter my diet, I could shift this kind of contact with the person or whatever the case may be. But so I absolutely love that. I think that is a perfect, perfect analogy for the human experience, you know, um, just not understanding something and then being able to find out it's not like, not only did I not understand it, but it was actually there to work for my benefit. Like, it was there to help me. <laughs> I right. just didn't know it, you know. Uh, 
which yeah, is pretty I love, funny. I love your metaphor too. It's like the, the flare analogy is like, yeah, it's just telling you now is the time to really pay attention. attention. Yes. Right. And like you said, it's not to look at the flare. It's not to look at the mo- emotion. No. It's just to get present. Yeah. It's really cool. Thank you. Man, all of the stories in the book, the missing cat, you know, the, uh, oh, no mistakes. Matter of fact, I want to go to that. I want to go there before I get to no mistakes so far where I am in the book is probably one of my favorite chapters because I remember leaving my last job before I became a coach and holy crap. I don't know how many times is this a mistake was either written down, passed through my mind. I, like, it was like, are you kidding? Is this it? Yeah, that, that was huge. That was one of the hardest things I, I ever did um, was to leave my job last year. I, I left the job that I absolutely loved. Yeah. And I, I think we, we kind of are in this culture where I don't know, maybe it was just a belief that I had, but that you had to hate something to leave it or there had to yeah. be a problem or, you know, something had to be wrong. And I, and I really just kept getting this call that I was ready to leave and I still love my job. Um, and so when I, when I did decide to leave, that's what the no mistakes chapter is about is that the moment that I told, you know, my boss, the person I had to tell that I was, I was actually in complete clarity. I was in complete neutrality. I knew that it was coming from wisdom and I had no emotion. And it wasn't until like two or three hours later that I was like, holy shit, what did I do? Oh my God. <laughs> and I really got into my intellect and was just like, this was the biggest mistake. Oh my God. I can't believe I just quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did that last? Um, you know, it kind of, it didn't last long, to be honest. Um, I knew I could trust what I felt in that moment that I left. And yeah. I just kept coming back to that. And because it was always there, it would never leave me. But it was like that panic would maybe wash over it for a second. And then I'd feel the panic. But if I if I quieted down, if I listened, I was like, nope, this is still the right thing. Like, it doesn't make much practical sense, but I just know it's right. Yeah. And so I just kept kind of tuning in back to it. And and the no mistakes thing, I mean, that that was a huge learning um, through this understanding that I don't think I ever saw before this. I don't know why or how, but I really thought, I really did believe in mistakes. I really did think there is a right and a wrong choice. Yeah. It really did look like to me that one door led to happiness and one door led to misery. Like it, and like I said, I can't really explain that. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that I believed that, but I can see that I believed it now. Now, yeah. Where I am now. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it in the book. You said it was another part you mentioned it, but you said you only gave yourself those two stories yeah. or those two options that you had to look at. So you're right. This door is happiness. This door is misery. Yeah, I could see how how uh, daunting that would would be to yeah. face every day. Totally. I think in this, before this understanding, I think I, I looked at the world maybe more binary, like, uh, yeah. which I, again, would have never said that I was, cause I thought myself a free thinker and an artist. And, yeah. but it was interesting, even within that um, category of being a free spirit, I still had a lot of binary thinking 
And so it's just so freeing and so liberating to know that we can like start fresh in any moment and that our past is irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. It, it, uh, one of the things I love most about the book that's mind blowing for me is I, it's just how you tell the stories, right? I, I love stories. I, I love them. And I remember a couple of weeks ago having an insight that I had misused my own life story to, to hold me back, to make me scared to try new things, to, to choke me out in, in, a, in a way from expressing my full you know, self-expression or whatever. And there was this quote I love from this guy named Miles Monroe that says, when you don't understand the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. And it really sat with me and I could see it displayed in the book is that how people misuse their stories. That story, your past, is only to remind you of your resilience. It's only to point you to something new. It's only to remind you of what you learned. But it was never supposed to be turned around and used as a tool to hit yourself upside the head with. And that's what I love about your book is even the hard stories, talking about the baby, talking about the tinnitus, talking about no mistakes and all of the ones that you use, it seems like you found the wisdom in each and every one of them. Man, it sure looks like you're loving life right now. <laughs> I am. And, and yeah, that's so cool about how our stories point to our resilience. I love that. Uh, I, I love story. Um, like I said before, story has kind of been a theme throughout my entire life. I mean, I was a children's librarian for 11 years. My job was to tell stories <laughs> to little children. Uh, and my, like the mission of my role, like it says it in my job description was to instill the love of stories. And um, I used to always fall back on that in whatever I did at the library. It was like, is this instilling the love of story? And so I had I, for a long time, only saw stories as good, as positive. And I think they really are. And then I started to see, oh, stories can also hold us back if we believe in too much into the story mm -hmm. and forget who we really are. We can get lost into our story. Yeah. Um, and I think part of what I was drawn to in the book was to, to share my own stories from a, from a spacious place, from like a, a witness place, like this was my lived experience. This was my transformation um, from something I believed at one point and then to how I yeah. believe something different afterwards. Yeah. And that is actually what a story is. A story is transformation. The, the character, the hero has a misbelief. They believe that they're unlovable, that they have no power that, you know, and I'm talking about like, you know, yeah, famous yeah. stories and, and movies, but you know, they believe they have no power. And then there's a series of events that happen called the plot that push them up against that belief where they have to use power. And, and then they start to see, oh, maybe I'm more powerful than I think. And what good stories do is by the end, that misbelief is shattered and they learn the truth of who they really are and their power that, oh my gosh, I am lovable. I am powerful. I am capable. And, and that's why humans love story. We love transformation. So we're all seeking that for ourselves. Oh, wow. 
you just make me fall in love with stories again. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's still your job, but you just did it. The way you just explained that, I was like, every movie I've loved has been that. When you, yes. <laughs> that's why I love the Avengers. I love Fast and Furious. It's like, yes. Superhero movies do it the best because, you know, it's like Peter Parker, he's all nerdy and then he's like Spider-Man. Yeah. And, you, yeah. Know, you know, that that transformation is what compels us. And when I was first learning the, the three principles, this understanding, I started to see rapid transformation in myself. And, I, and knowing what I know about story, I was actually afraid I was going to lose the before. I was just like changing so fast. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's actually why the book started. It was just because I wanted to capture the before, like the misbelief. I wanted to capture, oh, yeah, I used to think about money in a really weird way. Because what I was seeing was, you know, I thought about money in a really weird way. I'd see it differently. And then my, I thought about money in a completely different way. And then yeah. it was like the before. Was almost vanished. You know, goes away. Vanished. Yeah. Because I just operated from this new thought about money. And so yeah. I was actually, I, because I love story and what I wanted to capture that transformation. And I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose all the befores. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's how the book started. I just wanted to capture all of um these, <laughs> these so thoughts cool. that, I, that I had. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. And I was seeing that in all of our teachers too. Like everyone, they just felt they didn't have any drama. It was, they were all like, and, and in some ways, cause I'm still new to it at the time. I was like, where's their drama? Like where's, <laughs> where's their shitty stuff? <laughs> and I, I kind of had a, like, it was like, I wanted to turn on a soap opera or something. I wanted, yeah. I wanted a little dirt. And so um, I decided I would sacrifice my own dirt and just kind of share from that place a little bit. I love that. That is so cool. All right. So here's the, this is the money moment. All right. So this is game. You're a sports fan? Uh, sort of. I like okay. to play sports, but I don't watch sports. Got it. Okay. So we're going to say this is game seven of the NBA finals. This is the most important game. All right. Yes. A little pressure building as well. See the story I'm building here? A little pressure. <laughs> right? All right. The score is tied. Everybody's listening. What is it you want to say? Game seven, back against the wall. Coach Sarah Costin. <laughs> You're really pouring on the pressure here. <laughs> you know, when I played sports in high school, I never did well with pre with pressure. <laughs> I always perform better in practice. So, um, I just love, I just love knowing that I'm okay no matter what, and that the no matter what sometimes feels really intense, but it's so beautiful. Like, it is so beautiful how deeply we feel life and that we're designed to feel life and to navigate it in this way. And that we have something, I don't know, underneath, beyond those intense feelings that um, is connecting us to every other living thing on the earth. Every, like we are the intelligence of all of life and that no matter what we're doing, we're okay that there really is something that has our back. And uh, it makes life so much more fun. And uh, I feel like I just have always have a safety net 
to try new things and have fun and just follow, follow the joy. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.